Father, you're our dad who loves us and cares about us. And you've told us to call to you and to seek you with all our heart. And God, I pray that's what it's going to be. I pray our church is going to be completely all in. All in in commitment and love and obedience and passion. With you first, our first love, never holding back. And I pray, Lord, for those who are going to be inviting family and friends for the next 40 days. May they say yes. May, Lord, uh, uh, their eyes be open to you and your love. May they be open to the forgiveness and the healing that can come. May they be open to the life that's awaiting them when they say yes to you. And so, God, I pray, I pray you're going to see people brought. You're going to see their hearts. You're going to see them change. You're going to see them become their children. And you're going to set them free. And God, may we ask you today to cause your Holy Spirit to move, to open our minds, to be able to grasp so many things we're going to deal with right now. And may it lay a foundation for where we're headed as a church family. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask everybody here today who has not done so to take the card called my commitment card and go ahead and take it out right now. I'm going to ask you while I'm talking to multitask, I want to ask you today to fill it out. We've had about 250 cards come in. Uh, just so you know, for those of you who keep track of it, we have about 1,800 what we call giving units. That could be singles or families that give to Crossroads consistently. So we need to get these cards in today. We've been asking you to pray about it. I'm going to ask you right now, start filling it out in a few minutes, about 20 minutes from now. We're going to pass a bucket. I want you to fold them in half, drop them in, and then we'll be able to move forward. And I'm going to talk about more, why we need to do this today more than ever. But I want you to be prepared. So please right now, take those cards and do it. But I want you to know something else. Next Sunday, the first Sunday in March, is uh, Pam and my three-year anniversary of coming to be with you. That's uh, next week, and uh, we're excited about that. And I am so glad we said yes. I am so glad that we're here. I'm so uh, excited that we get to be in this together and to see what God does. But I want to tell you something. Three years ago at this Sunday, the Sunday before I'd come and be with you, I wasn't feeling quite so good. Now, some of you know, most of you know, but you may not know why, because I knew what we were facing. And I, I sat there, man, and my, my heart was heavy, and, and I felt a sense of a sobering urgency. And, and, and i got to be honest, I was battling fear because I didn't know what we faced together. I knew that the elders and the staff knew, but almost nobody else knew that this church was, was what I, at that moment, thought months away from foreclosure. I thought we had three months. By the way, by the time I got here, we had three weeks. We were that close to being foreclosed upon. And it was worse than I thought. I had no idea on that Sunday that by Friday, our electricity was going to be shut off before my first Sunday with you. By Tuesday, they were going to shut off the water to the campus. On Monday, they repossessed the projector for not being paid for for three months. Multiple lawsuits are in the process about the church. We were in a mountain of problems. At that time, I thought we had $185,000 of unpaid bills beyond our mortgage. We found out it was over $500,000 of unpaid bills. That that not even including the fact the IRS came in ready to arrest some people. And I just happened not to be in the office that day. (laughs) Well, praise God. And, uh, And by the way, they did. They came in with their badges out ready to arrest people. That's how bad it was. And I knew you didn't know. And by the way, only what I knew wasn't even the whole picture. And when I came on a Thursday night, I met with the key leaders in the church, the ones we could finally gather together. And I shared what was going on. And I heard people crying. Some of you cried. Then the first night I was here on a Sunday night, I stood here and I told the whole story, what we knew at that moment. And and if you were here, you remember part of this, I bet. I shared with you, I said, you know what? If you listening to this feel betrayed, you feel like, you know what, I, I, my trust was broken. I can't take it. I'm not going to be here. I said, if that's how you feel, I don't blame you. I mean, I really don't. If you think, you know, I just got to go somewhere else to another church and pour myself in there. I said, I just don't blame you. But Pam and I came to be with you. And we came to be a part of the solution. And I'm going to ask you to, let's be in this together. And then I said this, I said, we will get through this if we give to God and not to the problem. Now, don't you agree with that? If you give to God and not to the problem, then we get through it. Well, I know Frank's sitting right here. You know, we talked about a five-year plan to get out of it. 
we were out of it in seven months. Seven months later, this church was out of all the problems. And, and, and it was awesome to watch. Now, and I got to tell you, we got to ask a lot of questions about that. But the other thing I want to tell you before I get to that is about... I don't know, two or three weeks later, after I shared the bad news, it started getting worse and it started getting to worse. And I was literally sitting in that seat right there where I sit almost always ready, getting ready for worship. And I walked in here and I looked around and so many people were trying so hard and giving so much. And I looked around at faces, some of your faces right now. And I was really, I was, I actually thought, I really believed that the following Sunday, I was going to get up and say, Hey, we tried, but it's over. Now, I don't know if you know this, but since that time, over 30 major churches across the country have been foreclosed on and gone out of existence. And I, I, we were one week away. And I sat there and I said, God, I just don't know how to tell everybody. They, they, they have tried. And we just ran out of time. And I sat there praying and I, my heart was breaking. And then I'm not kidding. Something happened. God spoke to me and I literally heard these words. Chuck, great things are coming. And it was so loud, I turned around to see if someone was around me. And then it came again. And I said, Lord, is that you, Chuck? Great things are coming. Then after I got done preaching, I'm walking. And a person walks up to me and says, hey, weirdest thing. I was praying today and I heard great things are coming. I bumped into somebody else. Great thing. And, and all of a sudden, I go to the elders and I tell them. And they all go, that's what we're getting too. We actually put it up in words up there. Great things are coming. And, and, and it started happening. The, the people started coming forward to give their lives to Christ. Marriages started being healed. People started confessing immorality in their life and wanting to be free. And, and, and it's just like this mountain of problems before us. It was like a Zechariah 4 where it says, What are you, O great mountain of Zerubbabel, who was the governor of the land? To you, you shall become a plain. And God just leveled the mountain of problems that were before us. And that's what God did. And it was incredible to watch that happen. Well, you know what? It was an answer to Jeremiah 33, 3, where we want you to memorize this verse, where God says to you, he says to you, and he says to me, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things you do not know. Man, I want to tell you, if you haven't caught it today for one year, we're going to just be drilling that into all of us, that it's so exciting. And it really is. It's so exciting to live a life where you say to God, God, I've got this problem. And he tells you an answer before it comes. Where you call out, God, I'm not sure about. And God tells you something before it comes. Now, I want to tell you, that's what God wants to do. Being in a very real relationship with him. God says, if you pray and you seek me with all your heart, then I'm going to tell you things and you're going to know it before it happens. And it's not just certain things. It's things that end up being great and mighty. Now, that's what we're talking about. That's where we want to go. And the whole idea is we need to be all in to make it happen. Now, it's amazing that now, three years later, we've gone from a place where we were literally in failure and, and about out of uh, existence to now where we can not only be a church that's flourishing, but we can dream. We could dream, but the need has never been greater. Do you realize in our immediate vicinity, 255,000 people need to come to know Jesus Christ? Just in this immediate area, easily in driving distance, a very, very close driving distance. There's 255,000 people to be reached. And, and here's what I know all of us who are in leadership have been saying. To whom much is given, much is required. Why did God spare Crossroads and not spare the 30 or 40 other churches? Why? Is it because all, we were all so smart? No. As a matter of fact, I think we all got under some discipline. The truth of the matter is God did it because he's requiring from us a faithfulness that's incredible. And a big part of that is that we reach 255,000 people. We seek to do that. And then that's just coming to know Christ is the start. Jesus said this. He said, I want you to go out into all the world and make disciples. And then he said, what? After they become a disciple, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What was the next step? Teaching them to observe all I command you. So while we need to reach as many of the 255,000 as we can, it's not about just reaching them. We need to teach them. It's about reaching and teaching. And we need them to grow in depth and grow in maturity. And we want us, all of us in the church family, to be continually growing in maturity in Christ, being more Christ-like, being more theologically sound, uh, being people who know God's word and have God's word in us, 
and being people who have a maturity to be able to lead others to places of maturity. That's God's desire for us, and that's where we're headed. But it's not just about reaching. It's not just about teaching. It's about loving. See, God's desire is that we're a church family, that we come together as a family and genuinely love each other. Now, in three years, we have more than doubled in size. In three years, we've more than doubled in size. But here's my opinion. My opinion is I think this church has never been closer in loving each other. I really do. Matter of fact, I, I got an email uh, from Jennifer, and her and her family have been attending Crossroads for over 20 years. And she just listed out every single family member of what's happened in their life over this last year. And then she said this. She goes, Pastor Chuck, she goes, in the 20 years I've been here, I've never felt like this church was closer and more loving. Now, if that's not true for you, I want to tell you what can change it. Get involved. Get into a ministry. Make sure you're completely committed. Dive in. But I want to tell you also, we're going to be very intentional this year and every year to pull this church closer and closer and closer. So this is a place where we're genuinely loving each other. And so we need to be a church that maximizes everything that God gave us. We had 38 acres of land purchased in the 70s. I want you to think about that. In the 1970s, a fairly small group of people dreamed a dream that if they purchased this property, that that would mean thousands of people would come to know Jesus Christ. By the way, some of you are here today. Those were pioneering people, faith-oriented people. And I don't think you might not even realize how big it was. Because as bad as the economy is right now, it was worse then. There was lots of reasons not to do it. Back then... The mortgage rate was at 18%. Does anybody remember that? Right now it's 4.5 and we're going, how do we make it? Back then it was 18%. Runaway inflation. High, high unemployment. Nobody knew if they were going to have a job. Uh, Bank after bank going out of business. And you know what those people said? Even in this climate, we cannot wait. Even in this climate, we must move forward. Even in this climate, we must step out in faith. And the reason we have this land today is because they were gutsy and faith-oriented enough to do it. And I praise God for you. I really do. And what I'm saying is, if they did it then, we need to do it now. Why would we hold back? And I got to tell you, I have had some people come and say, and they go, Chuck, don't you realize the economy's tough and people are struggling? And I do. But that isn't the point. God isn't struggling. God doesn't go, man, you know, I wish that, you know, we had a little economic turn and didn't owe so much to China. You know, he doesn't do that. You know what he says? He says, in a time like this, you just be faithful. You just be faithful and you trust me. And by the way, I want to tell you, we're not going to ask you to do anything today that God's not asking you to do. But I am going to ask you to do everything he's asking you to do. I'm going to say, let's not hold back. I I think it's interesting that in the parable of the talents, which is Matthew 25, you have your Bibles, go to Matthew 25. And, And here's what's interesting. This is the last day section of scripture. So it's to us. The whole Bible's to us, but this more than ever. In the very last days, Matthew 24, Jesus starts talking about the last days. In Matthew 25, he talks about getting ready for the coming of Christ. And he tells about a group of people that he bestows talents upon. Now, a talent was an amount of money. And he gave each one of them an amount of money to manage and to actually do great things for his cause. And and two of them did. Two of them went out and took risk. Two of them went out and and tried and they took steps of faith and he honored them. But the third, he didn't. The third one entrenched. The third one held back. The third one decided to maintain. By the way, don't miss that. He He didn't steal it. He didn't rob it. He just did nothing. He just tried to maintain. And look what it says in Matthew 25 verse 24. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid. And I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See what you have is yours. Did you catch that? He goes, I was afraid. I want to tell you, we're going to get into this more later. That's never a reason to, 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 to live. It's never the motivation for our life. If you say, well, it's the economy, we're afraid. You know what? Have faith. If you say, well, you know what? In times like this, we don't know what's going to happen. Have faith. If you go, but Lord, I was afraid. He's going to judge you for that. Because 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given you a spirit of fear, 
but a power and love and self-control. And people who know their God should never be afraid. One of the things he wants to free us from is fear. And he calls us to operate in everything else other than fear. And so he said, I was afraid. Look at the answer to the one who was afraid. Verse 26. But his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have at least put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given. And he will have an abundance. But to the one who does not have, even what he does not have shall be taken away. Now, verse 30 is heavy. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness in that place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Did you catch what God's saying? See what Jesus is saying? He said, you can't operate by fear and you've got to use what you've been given to whom much is given, much is required. That's for you and I individually, but it's for us as a church family. This 38 acres that now has turned into 55 acres with our school. We've got to use it to the fullest. We've got to use it to create opportunities to reach people for Christ. We've got to use it to the fullest so we can teach people in Christ. And we've got to use it to the fullest so we can be the community we're supposed to be. That's God's plan for us. By the way, I want you to grab that. Now, because of that, we as the leadership team have been praying and praying and praying. God, where are you taking us? And I think you already know that we came up with what we call four guideposts. A guidepost of outreach, that we reach people for Christ. A guidepost of in-depth, how do we mature our believers in Christ? We're about to unveil part of that plan to you. I think it's so exciting. It's just off the charts incredible. The third is, how do we make an impact for God? And, And man, that's coming huge. And the last is, how do we be a better community? And in the midst of that, we talked about ministry. We talked about how we, we, we strategize, but we've also talked about our facilities. And today I want to tell you, we brought in a leadership team, a, a very gifted team called Visionary, who are strong Christian men. The, the head of Visionary is Mel McGowan, who actually came to know Christ here at Crossroads and, and is so gifted at this. He goes all around the world doing it. But, but he loves this church. And he and his team have been walking around and looking at how we do things and seeing our area and asking how we would use this campus for the Lord. But let me say this as clearly as I can. Now, this is really important. The all-in campaign, the one you're filling out your card on right now, this is not to do what I'm going to show you. Now, I know some people, why are you even showing us this? Because, well, I guess we're just so excited we can't stand it. But, but to do the all-in campaign, is why are we doing it? Because out in front of our property are street improvements that the city of Corona said, we will let you use the building if you get them done in a timely manner. That time has come and gone repeatedly. This is a church family that made a promise. We gave our word in the name of God that we would do this and be faithful, and we didn't do it. And every time a city employee drives by, we're looking at a church that didn't keep its word. Every time our neighbors drive by or go to walk by, and now they can't walk on sidewalk, which I know it's sidewalk's not all that exciting, but you know what it is when you got a baby and you're trying to push it. Or I watched the man in a wheelchair wonder how to get through there, and we're the church that won't let him. And you know what? That's not okay. And I don't think to any of you it's okay. We need to be a church that keeps our word. And again, I know a few of you are going to go, but I wasn't here when the church gave its word. Well, neither were Pam and I. That isn't the point. We're a family. Families do it together. So what we're raising the money for is primarily to erase the last thing holding us in our past and fulfill our word and keep our, our, what we're supposed to do. By the way, it's about $2.5 million to do that. And it's not even a question, should we? We should. By the way, it's not a question anymore of when. We must break ground this summer. All the plans are moving. We've got to break ground this summer. But I need to tell you, without those commitment cards, we can't move forward to the next step. We've got to have those today. And we've got to, if, if we don't, we've got to do something. That's not fear. That's just the, the, what we're facing. Now, now, if we get that done, and if we pray and are faithful, then that opens the door for us to take baby steps into where we're headed. And I want to show you where we're headed. In other words, by completing this, it opens the door for us to maximize our campus. Now, I'm going to very quickly show you at the end of the service, you can get your own picture of this. But let me show you what's going to happen. First of all, out over here on the corner, we believe that should be our junior high school. So our plan is to fulfill that, build our junior high. Then the next step is to move up here and build a children's building and to take the fellowship hall, which is one of the grossest buildings I've ever seen in my life. 
and turn it into the lodge with a great fireplace and a great meeting room. That's where mom to mom, that's where a, a credible number of other ministries meet. And we want to open it up and make it a more beautiful building so it's more productive for teaching, for fellowship and things like that. Above that is a 2,500 space parking structure that actually goes into two levels and it's called a speed parking structure. Now, let me tell you what speed means. It doesn't mean you go in there really fast. Uh, It it empties and fills very, very quickly in a very clear way. And it's going to be a beautiful structure and it won't block our neighbor's view. That's the other thing. We believe we need to be good neighbors and do that. By the way, real quick, I know some of you are going, well, wait a minute. If I have to park way up there, but I have a special need, what about me? All throughout the campus, We're going to maximize this campus for anybody who has special needs, young moms, single moms, senior citizens, and handicapped. There's going to be a lot of places to park for you. We've thought of you. We're not going to leave you out. And and we're going to create walkways that make it easier to roll on, you know, so you're not cobblestoning it. And uh, so all that's been thought of. I want you to know that. We wouldn't leave anybody out. As a matter of fact, it's to make it better. But let me show you some things we're also thinking. The Plex, which used to be called His Place, the, the worship center that's so dear to so many of you, but needs an uplift. Now, our team was looking at it, and they said, you know what let's do? Let's make that an incredible building for ministry for our junior high, our high school, for our fused ministry, for our women's ministry, for our senior citizens ministry. But what they want to call it is the packing house. The idea behind it is it it pays homage to the heritage of Corona, which was a citrus area with with packing houses everywhere. And they think by doing that, it would really be a a wonderful thing for our city, a wonderful thing for our heritage. And we would plant some citrus trees around it. And that way our generate kids could have a job, you know. No, not really. Uh, But uh, say your grandfather did it. Go do it, kid. And uh, so, but but then moving down from there, I, I get so excited about all this too, is the Urban Learning Center. Now, the Urban Learning Center would be our high school for up to 500 students in the day in a college preparatory style classes with high, high academics. But the classes would be made in such a way that that we would in the afternoons and evenings be able to use them for college classes, for Bible studies, for times of teaching, for times of investing in our family. In other words, the plan is to be able to have somebody, if God tarries, start preschool here and eventually get an accredited Ph.D., right here on our campus. And, and we believe we can do that, plus teach scripture in an in-depth way. And so that's part of our plan. <laughs> then you move down from there and on the corner becomes a beautiful restaurant because the third place cafe is overflowing and we need to expand and we'd have a video venue there. Then here's the one I need to explain to you. See the lake? It's bigger than a pond, but it's not as big as Lake Paris, but I'm still going to call it a lake. Now, I know some of you would go, wait, 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 is that a waste of money? It's the opposite. Because when we maximize this property, we have to take into account the runoff of the water so our neighbors don't get flooded, right? I mean, that's just, that actually it's illegal. But what we might could do is build a big catch basin that's cement and it's overlaid with cement and park on it. Or for maybe a million dollars less, we could make a beautiful lake that we could go and pray and walk around. I don't know about you. I'd rather save the money. And, and it would be beautiful and incredible and would have water effects in it. We could do baptisms in it. Then if you move over from there on the front, we're going to have a water park. And it's not a big water park. It's one for kids. It's, it's like a playground for kids that has water on it because the kids love that. We're going to have playgrounds everywhere. And because this is such a family-oriented community, we need a place for families to be able to go and do that. So why not use it that way? Then a competitive swim pool will be there on the other side so we can baptize in all those places. And then my favorite building, and this is, I'm going to stop, is the community center. The community center wraps around the lake and the water park and the pool and out, looks over the Corona Valley. It would be a beautiful place. And in it are what we call dynamic rooms. Now by that, it means they're very interchangeable so that everybody throughout the whole church can have a place to go and share together. It's for everyone. So that means that, that for instance, for our high school, we could have a wrestling room. For our, all of our church, we could have uh, dance rooms and aerobic rooms. Uh, uh, on top of that, we can have Bible studies taking place in there. Then a lot of us have a lot of other ideas. Uh, I was talking to a group of women, and they would love to have a quilting group. I think we should do it. 
I think from, from elementary all the way up, we should have some of our people who are mainly senior citizens could gather girls and women together and guys too and teach quilting. And here's what happens. As you do that, they're going to get to know each other and share life together. It's community. Uh, my wife, Pam, wants a scrapbooking room for, where people gather together and scrapbook together. And they talk about their families and they pray for each other. And we have community. We'll probably have a knitting room. Uh, uh, and here's my favorite. We're going to probably have a cooking room where, where we could come. Yeah, because we could cook together, eat together, uh, get fat. No, I mean, get, get to know each other. And, and, and you know what? Wouldn't you love just to do that with people? But the key is, whenever that use doesn't fit, we can quickly change the room to make it more community-oriented. And it literally is from every age group can benefit from this in ways that create Christian community. That's the idea behind it. Now, now you're probably looking at that going, man, that would cost a lot of money. And the answer is, yeah, it would. But let me tell you something honestly. If every person here faithfully gave to God 10%, the first 10% like you're supposed to. What does God say in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10? God says, don't, don't think about every word of this. Think about it. Honor me from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. You give to me first, God says. And so that I will cause your barns to be filled with plenty and your vats to overflow with new wine. God said, if you do this first, if you give to me first, then I'm going to bless you back. By the way, that's the pattern of scripture. Uh, uh, in Exodus chapter 24, uh, um, God has what's called uh, uh, one of the premier places in scripture. The Mishnah says it's one of the most important verses in all the Bible to understanding our relationship to God. And in Exodus 24 verse 7, here's the words. It says, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And we will, my, my Bible says, be obedient. But the, the Hebrew word there is we will shema. We will hear intelligently. 785 times in, in the Old Testament, it's translated to hear in a way of understanding. Now, now, you might not understand what this is saying. It's huge. It's heavy. God says, if you will join the people of Israel and say, God, everything you've asked me to do, I will do. God says, then you're going to understand why. But if you don't do it, you're never going to understand. In other words, if you call to me, I will answer you and tell you great and mighty things. But if you don't call to me, I'm not going to answer you. If you don't give to me, I'm not going to fill your barns with plenty. I'm not going to open the windows of heaven. If you don't, don't go and love people in my name, you're not going to understand the benefit that comes back. God is saying, if you trust me, which is called have faith, and step out by praying, step out by being obedient, step out by stop doing things you're not supposed to do, step out and start doing things you are. God says in that moment, I'm going to bless you beyond measure. That's what this is all about, this all in. Literally saying, God, whatever you ask us to do, we'll do. What Jesus said, that we would teach people to do all that he has commanded us, not holding back. And, and by the way, it's by way of equality. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 12 and 13 is about giving to God. And it says this, if the readiness is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Now, now, in other words, if you say, well, Chuck, man, I'm unemployed. Well, you know what? Then that's okay. If you get a dollar, give a dime. That's huge to God. If you get $100, give a dollar. If you get 10000 give 1000 And by the way, if you only have $10,000 and you give 1000 in this economy, man, that's huge. If you and I, many of us here are making more than that, we should give it a level that makes us feel like the person who gave, 10, 000, gave 1000 out of 10000 If everybody here did that, the lowest our offerings would be is $10 million a year. We're not even close. But if everybody was faithful, we would pay off all the debt on the church and we could do this in a few years. Now, now here's the thing. That means we'd reach more people. It means we'd have a stronger community. It means we'd teach with more depth. And the only thing that's stopping us from doing it is our faithfulness, not the economy. Because right now, you need to understand, if you're unemployed, we do get it. We do know that's true. That, that's what God is saying. And see, the key is that you and I understand that and don't back off from it. Now, let me tell you how big this is. John 14, 21. Jesus said, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will disclose myself to him. Jesus said, if you are Someone who says you love me, 
then I know what you'll do. You'll keep my commandments. And if you love me and keep my commandments, then I'm going to love you, and then I'm going to do something. I'm going to reveal myself to you. Why do a lot of Christians go through life wondering where God is? Because they're not keeping his commandments. Jesus said, if you keep his commandments, you're not going to miss me. I'm going to reveal myself to you over and over and over again. By the way, I want to say this. There's no reason someone should be in a life with Christ and doubt his existence. You know, I I never wonder if Pam's real. You know, I don't get up in the morning going, is she for real or figment of my imagination? You know, I don't do that. And by the way, I don't do it with the Lord. You know why? Because he reveals himself to me. Now, you might say, Chuck, are you being prideful? No, that happens to everybody who obeys his commandments. See, that's the point. If you're disobedient, it's not going to happen. For many of you, you think this is all there is. If you would get all in, it's going to be a life that's above all that you could ask, think, hope, or dream. That's what he has for you. And it's every area of your life, including your finances. Jesus said this, give. By the way, that's a command. Give, and then he gives the promise. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour it into your lap, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now notice what he said. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Jesus said, if you would give to me first, I am going to pour back blessing in your life so it's overflowing. And by the standard you trust me with, I'm going to give back to you. Now, now, this is huge. This is huge. Now, I know some of you are going, why do we got to talk about this money thing so often? And here's why. But because according to Jesus, where your treasure is, your heart is also. You could tell me all you want. Chuck, I love God. But God says to us, Jesus said to us, if you really love me, you're going to give to me first. And you're going to give to me faithfully. And if you don't do that, you could say all day long, you love God, but you're not obedient to him. Let me tell you something else. This gets pretty heavy. Do you realize how many people in this church family are on a fixed income that are giving faithfully to God? Now, I want to say that again. Do you know how many, how many? People in this church family are on a fixed income and they give faithfully their 10%. I know personally of three families that are unemployed and they still give faithfully of whatever comes in their 10%. And I know there are a lot of people who are doing well that are giving faithfully their 10%. And I want to be honest, there are a lot of you, we're carrying you. We're carrying you. I know some of you go, that makes me uncomfortable. Well, too bad. Because I don't think it's right that a senior citizen's carrying you. I don't think it's right that some of our unemployed people are faithful and so many others aren't. I ought to bother you if you're not faithful. It really ought to bother you. And, and, and we can't be that way. But it ought to bother you also that you're missing out on so much. If you're truly committed to God, you, you're going to find him moving. When you say to God, God, I'll give to you, he answers back. That's why we asked you to do something. We asked you to take that prayer card and look at it for 30 days and say, God, tell me an amount of money. And then when you find out how big it is, you go, oh, and you write it down. And then he tells you what he's going to do. He did that for Pam and I. Pam and I came up with an amount and all of a sudden, man, it was like, oh, And then we wrote it down, turned it in. Since that point, God had, first of all, we got a few thousand dollars we didn't expect. Like, whoa, where'd this come from? And then he started showing us ways it was going to happen. And it's an awesome thing to do. And we're hearing that story all throughout our church family. My name is Lindsay Barnes, and this is my story. About a month ago, Pastor Chuck asked us to start praying about the campaign and about what we felt like God was calling us to give and to trust him with our finances this year. I kept ignoring it. I was like, no, there's no way that's God's number for me. And we knew it would be a struggle. Kevin doesn't have a job right now. We're getting married this year. And um, we just really started praying that God would provide and that he would help us to remain faithful. And um, a couple days ago, Kevin came in and told me that um, he had received a check from his school for the exact amount that he was praying for. And so it was incredible just to see the way God provides. This last month, as my wife and I were praying over our commitment, uh, we're also considering uh, that we had some family issues that we felt compelled to help with financially. And out of nowhere, uh, two days ago, we got a check from the IRS for uh, an unexpected refund from the year 2007. So through that, we were able to not only meet our commitment, but also help the, the family that uh, we felt compelled to do so. My name is Bob Gifford, and this is my story.
I'm actually an independent contractor, so the majority of the funds and my money and my income is based upon, you know, uh, my, my piano students and uh, if I get any weddings and stuff to play like that. But seven months ago, something happened to where I wasn't getting enough students coming in. People were quitting and things were just flying all over the place. It kind of kind of got me down a little bit. But uh, I do remember when Pastor Tony actually brought up, you know, pray about what God wants to put on your heart to give. And so the funny thing about that is uh, God, I really believe in my heart, he said, you know, give, all, give everything you have. Give, give everything that's in your bank account right now. And that was pretty much the time all I had was 80 bucks in my account. And literally the next day he provided. I remember getting a phone call and it was actually the lady. She said, uh, hey, we're, we're looking forward to you playing for the wedding. We're really excited. Um, we're going to go ahead and give you $250. And that totally blew my mind. You know, that just shows how big God is to us. My name is Donovan Smith and this is my story. It's interesting, isn't it? How our stories sound similar. My name is Henry, and my wife and I prayed how much we should give. With a new house, two kids, and one on the way, we got an amount that we couldn't really afford, but we faithfully gave, and the next day, I received a gig that paid that exact amount. The thing is, is that we all have stories of how God provides, but when you take a step back and see everyone's stories connect, you begin to see a God who provides God who protects, and a God who loves. So step out in faith and see where your story goes. Man, I got to tell you, Henry is a guy we love having on staff. Uh, Henry, by the way, is from Bolivia. He was actually a World Vision child. He had no way to make it, but because of World Vision, he, his brothers, his cousins, his sisters, maybe might have, there's a chance one of you supported him. And, and he was rescued from extreme poverty to the point that he grew, the point he ended up a Biola. He graduated with honors, and he's on staff with us. And, um, man, just this, this is a man of faith. He's a real man of faith. By the way, not only did God give him this amount of money that was so huge, a couple days after that, he got a call from Biola, and they said, hey, could you use help? And Henry's a little overwhelmed. He goes, yeah. So they're sending us three interns we don't even have to pay for. <laughs> so uh, it's pretty cool. But God does that, you guys. I'm not kidding. He does. You call to him and he answers. And it's in every area of your life. I want to talk a little bit more about prayer. But right now, I want to go ahead and collect the cards. The ushers are going to start coming and passing buckets. Just fold your paper and put it in. And again, multitask with me. Because God wants us to pray. He wants us to trust. He wants us to know. Uh, It happened to a man named Tim. Uh, According to Bruce Wilkinson in a book he wrote about, this is what you were made for. I love that book. Uh, uh, Tim uh, was a guy who was fairly introverted. He didn't say a whole lot. And the idea of going out and sharing his faith and talking to somebody about a life crisis, I mean, that becomes something that literally rocked his world. It scared him to death. And so what happened is, is he was in a, a time, a church service like this, where they said, go out and take a step of faith and go see what God will do. And so Tim, you know, he thought, okay, I, God, my, I'm shy. I don't like to talk to people. It's hard to talk about you, but I'm going to do it. If you open the door, God, I'll step out and I'll say something. It was on Monday. He's driving to a construction site he had not been to before. Tim's a carpenter. He got out of his truck and he actually bowed his head and said, okay, God, if you want to use me today, I'm ready. And he sensed, "Uh uh-oh, it's coming. And it scared him to death. Literally shaking, he walked over to an area the carpenters were working. He introduced himself real quickly, got right to work like he normally does. And a guy came and started working real close to him. And that already made him nervous. Then the guy was pounding extra hard. And he thought, what's he doing? And then he looked over and said, are, are you agitated about something? The guy set his hammer down and goes, yeah. He goes, I'm sorry, man. He goes, my wife and I, we just fight all the time. He said, I think it's over. Last night we were in it. Today we had it out just before we left. He said, I, man, I just think we're done. And the kids and everything are going to suffer. I don't know what to do. And, and so Tim stood there going, oh my Lord, this is you. This is it. Oh, and so he looked over at the guy and he goes, um, So you need help with your marriage? And the guy said, yeah. And he goes, well, would you like me to help you? And the guy goes, yeah. And then he stood there thinking, I don't know what to tell him. I mean, do I tell him, go see my pastor? Do I? And so he stood there and he said, I'm supposed to step out on faith. And he goes, well, go get a pen and a piece of paper and I'll tell you what to do. The guy runs to his truck all excited. And Tim's watching that going, oh my God, you got to tell me something. I don't know what to say. But the only phrase coming into his head didn't make sense. And he goes, God, please give me wisdom. Please give me wisdom. The guy comes running back. He goes, okay, okay, I'm ready to write it down. What am I supposed to do? And Tim looked at him and said, 
go make your bed. And he felt like a fool for saying it. That was the only thing in his head. The guy drops his pen and paper and steps back and goes, how did you know? And Tim goes, no, what? He goes, last night we got into it. And this morning I'm laying in bed because I'm always the last one to get up. My wife comes storming in and goes, this is what I mean. Every day you get up out of bed after me and you walk out of here and expect me to make the bed. You don't care. You don't want to work on our marriage. And the guy got so mad when she walked out of the room, he messed the bed up worse. And, and, and he goes, how did you know? How did you know? And Tim goes, God told me. And you need to go right now and make your bed. The guy ran and got in his truck, drove home and made the bed. That night, the wife comes down the stairs going, you do want to work on our marriage. You are ready to change. And they started into counseling. It was a couple months later, this big construction worker's hugging Tim saying, you changed our life. Does God do that? You bet he does. What you and I need to do is be willing to call to him and he'll answer us and he'll tell us great and mighty things we do not know. Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13. I love this. Listen to what it says. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Please don't miss this. God loves you so much. He has plans for you. Do you know God looks at you? The Bible says he thinks about you more than there's sand on the seashore. And God looks at you and says, I love you. Do you love me? Will you obey me? Will you trust me? Will you take steps with me? Because I'm going to, I've got plans. I want to have amazing things happen in your life. I, I want you to call to me and I want to show you great and mighty things you would never know on your own. I want, I want you to live life with me that way. And so it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope, to always have future, to always have a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me, when you search for me. Again, when you search for me with all your heart. No half-hearted prayers, no half-hearted living, no half-hearted giving, no half-hearted obedience. You've got to be ready to say, I'm all in. God, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do. Whoever you ask me to be, I'll be. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. I'm calling to you, and when you answer me, I'm ready. I'm in, and, and you can trust me with that. That's what God wants us to do. Proverbs 3.32 says, For the devious are an abomination to the Lord. But listen to the last part. But he is intimate with the upright. The word intimate is a Hebrew word, sod. It literally means he whispers secrets. God says that when you live your life in an upright way, completely committed to me, I'm going to tell secrets to you. I'm going to whisper things to you. I'm going to nudge in your spirit and you're going to be amazed at it. That's who God is. Bruce Wilkinson, who wrote the book I talked about, had that happen. He uh, was at a restaurant with three friends who were wanting to know, how can we align ourselves more and, and, and really hear from God? Tell us how to hear from the Lord. And we're going to get into that more this year. Wilkinson's sitting there and he thought, um, you know what? I'm getting one of those. And, and, and so what happens? He had $300 on him. And, and he was told by the man who gave it to him, he said, Bruce, you find somebody who needs this money and you give it to him. But as he's sitting there and the waiter's walking up, he sensed the Holy Spirit say, give this man $100. And he thought, but God, I have three. And the guy walks up the table, say, can I help you? And, and Bruce Wilkinson looked up at the waiter and said, um, I want to ask you a question. Do you think it's more blessed to give than to receive? And the waiter said, well, yeah, I, I really do. I mean, I, I, yeah, definitely. And Wilkinson said, okay, I got, I'm going to do something. And he pulled out a $100 bill and he goes, here you go. I'm giving it to you. It's not your tip. Uh, it, 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 it has nothing to do with the rest of the night. Just it's your money. But I want to ask you to do something. You go ahead and go away and you think about it. I'm going to give you a choice. If you want, you can give me the $100 back and then you can buy all of us dessert and you can decide whether it's better to give than receive. His friends looked at him like, why would you do that? In his mind, he went, oh, why did I do that? But the waiter goes, okay. And he walks away and he comes back. And Wilkinson says, so uh, what are you going to do? He goes, I'm keeping the hundred. He goes, uh, well, it's yours to keep, but why? And he said, well, I, I'm a Christian. And I'm a single father. And man, I've been working three jobs trying to make ends meet. And I'm at the end of my rope today. This is one of those times we just don't have it. So to provide for my son, I need another hundred bucks. And I, I prayed and I said, God, God, if you're out there, God, you love me. God, I know you take care of me. God, would you have someone give me a hundred dollars today? And you just gave me $100. So I'm not giving that money back. 
And Bruce Wilkinson said, well, actually, God has 300 for you. And he reached in and gave him 200 more. Now, see, that's what God does. That's what he does. And, and I want to tell you. Here's what this year's about. It's that. This year's about you and I having stories like that. This year's about us calling to God and him answering. This year's about God whispering uh, secrets to us. This year's about God all of a sudden saying, look what I'm going to do before I do it. And then when it happens, you're like, God, you're, that's you. And, and, and rather than things happening to you and going, was that God? He tells you ahead of time. And you begin to experience him like you never have before. It's about a real relationship with him. So since the most important aspect of this is prayer, I've asked uh, Gil Contreras and, and Alex and the whole uh, big part of our Spanish ministry who we love. They're going to come lead us in prayer on that. Would you welcome them as they come up right now? <laughs> Gil and his team are passionate prayers, man. They just love to pray. And, and, and Gil's going to pray in English. And I think most of the rest of the team's going to pray in a mixture of English and Spanish. But God hears it all, obviously. And, uh, but the idea is that we thought, you know, we, we're all a church family. We're all in this together. And, they, and I want him just to lead us in prayer. And, and let us just pray together uh, about a lot of things. One is that, that we would see people come to know Christ. That we would see uh, uh, the, the kingdom of darkness shaken in this area. That we would see rescues happen. That we'd see people's lives transformed and marriages saved. That we would see us be a people who God looks at. And we're a people that's completely committed to him. So those are the kind of things he's going to pray out. And I just want us to all do this together as one church family today. And uh, so let's go to God in prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, and we pray that today, Lord, we are broken vessels before you, and we're asking that you do, Father, you do as you will with us. We come before you, Lord, and we know that as your children, you listen to our cries, you listen to our prayers. We come before you, Father, asking to do what you need to do with us. We pray before you, we call upon you. And we know that when your children call upon you, you listen. But Lord, first of all, we are surrendered before you. We are broken. We ask to be used by you. We know you're going to do great things. We know you're going to do mighty things. We know you're going to bring a spiritual revival in our lives. We're going to see that happen in our families. We're going to see that happen in our children, in our youth, in our community. We pray, Father, that you, today you would do something mighty, something powerful. That today we would be transformed because of you, Father. That we would come into a relationship with you. Help us to get the word out there. Help us to be able to call upon you, Lord. Help us to be able to be the tool that you're going to use to be able to reach our community. We pray that you would use this place. We pray that you would use this place, this, this church to touch the lives of so many people out there that need to be reached. Today we lift up in prayer, but first of all, we're all in. We're all committed. We're all surrendered before you, Lord. Oh. I got to be a part of a men's ministry event with Gil and, and the team. And you know what? What you heard behind you right now, there was a group that gathered in the green room back here. And I kept thinking, what is that sound? What is that sound? And Gil goes, they're praying for you, man. <laughs> and they're praying for people to come to know Christ. And it was like incredible to see the number of people come. Right now, we're praying for you. We're praying that some of you would come to know Jesus for the first time. You might even think, wow, on a message like this, well, here, there's not a better message. To know that if you give everything about who you are to God, you're going to get more back. If you really trust him, he's going to give you the life you were made for. And it's not about what you get. It's about, it's about your being in a relationship with him. I love it when Gil prays and he calls out Papa because he's so close to the Lord. I want you to be that close to God. He wants to be that close to you. So if you're here today and you've never truly entered a real relationship with Jesus, how do you do that? Well, what you do is you pray. You talk to God and you say, Father, I want this. I want you. And in a moment, I'm going to go to prayer and I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting. If you want to enter into this relationship to whisper a prayer with me, just right where you are, you, we'll just do it together.
But the second step's huge. You need to be willing to confess Jesus before men. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my fathers in heaven. So if you pray the prayer to either commit or recommit your life to Christ and mean it, I'm going to ask you that when we stand to sing after we're done praying, that you make your way to the stairs or to the aisle and people would love to let you out. And you come down here, head in this room, call our living room. Let me tell you what's going to happen. When you pray, God's going to say yes. He's going to take you. And when you step out and start to walk, you're going to connect to God in a deeper way. You're going to sense the spirit of God moving in you. You're going to sense that as you're saying, literally confessing Christ with that walk, you're going to sense Jesus really calling you his own more than ever. There's no way, no way you can expect or, or replicate what happens when you do that. It's just an amazing moment with you and God. So I know it might take courage. You might need to grab someone's hand and go come with me. But today, if you're ready to say yes to God or you need to come back to God or you need to recommit your life or you need a revival in your life we're going to ask you to come and do it and you know what I really think this could be a day of amazing change amazing freedom amazing hope let's pray father we ask that your holy spirit come right now we ask God that this church family literally be all in and being committed to you being level four being uh, people who say lord not my will but your will be done that we live for you we love for you we want to be yours and God I pray we have a passionate commitment Jesus to you to your cause of reaching and saving the lost and helping others. And and Lord, to to being a community. And and I pray you bind us together in love. And I pray, Lord, when you look at us, you see a people that love and care for you. And we love you so much, we obey. And we reap the harvest of that. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit move right now. And I ask that you begin to stir on anyone who needs to commit or recommit their life. God, may your spirit now move. May you reveal yourself to them. May they sense a whisper inside, a movement inside that this is their moment in time. Father, I pray for the person who thinks that they're just not good enough. May they know, Lord, you couldn't love them more than you do. There's nothing they've ever done, Lord, that you would take your love. And now it's time for them to be set free from that pain, the hurt, the shame. They're about to be yours. God, I pray for the marriage right now. It's a husband and wife, and they need to come to you. And the real step they need to take is together to recommit and to come down together and say that they want the marriage you want for them, and they want to be the parents they're supposed to be. God, I pray for the man who's in business, and he doesn't know if his business is going to make it. And God, I pray that you're going to stir on him and, and let him know the most important thing he could do right now is trust you with who he is, with the life you have for him. And he can let go of the fear and just just literally have the peace. So I pray for everyone who needs to come to you or come back to you. God, may you touch them. I'm going to ask that we keep praying. And if you're right with God, would you pray for those who need to make this commitment? But today, if you want to commit or recommit or or just find a revival in your heart from God, I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting to whisper this prayer with me. Get ready. Just say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of all my sins, to heal me of all my hurt, to free me from all my fears, to make me alive, to make me new, and to make me yours. And I say, yes, I want this. Oh, and I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love. And fill me with your spirit. And help me be who you created me to be. And to live the life you have for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Man.